Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everybody. It's another podcast of Counseling Through Proverbs, and it's me, Michael, and Jeremy. Hey, hey. Hello. (laughs) So the last podcast that you've listened to was Jeremy walking us through Proverbs 1, and today we're going to... Uh, walk through Proverbs 19. Michael's going to talk through um, his his portion of the book. This was a long one, Michael. You wrote a lot for us, which will be a really good resource. You almost could break this down to a couple counseling sessions. Yeah. But out of all the Proverbs, why Proverbs 19? Well, the reason why I chose 19, uh, much to what Jeremy established in the previous podcast, is this juxtaposition between wisdom and folly. Right, thematically, that that's what Proverbs is getting uh, the reader to understand and see in the manner in which we apply either wisdom or folly. And so, uh, one of the big things that I see in counseling, obviously, is anger. Whether we see it in an individual that we may be counseling, or we see it in the uh, marriage counseling that we're doing from spouse to spouse, uh, but anger is definitely one of those things. And uh, like Jeremy mentioned in the previous podcast too, and um, going to James, uh, James has a lot to say about this as well. Mm. And so uh, that's really why I chose this. And so uh, instead of, you know, the whole uh, proverb, which there's a lot uh, that the author really gets into, um, but the two parts that I kind of focused on, which is when you actually get the book in April, you'll see this, but kind of a summary statement of Proverbs 19 is uh, from the ESV, better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. Condemnation is ready for scoffers and beating for the backs of fools. So again, you see this just in that summary. You see, again, that juxtaposition between the manner of wisdom and the manner of folly or foolishness. And so there's obviously a lot in that proverb, but specifically what makes it good uh, for counselors to use in this particular uh, homework uh, exercise and what we can do in session and out of session. Um, but just a, just a quick synopsis of Proverbs, uh, really, again, th- this is poetry, right? I mean, that that's what mm-hmm. the book of Proverbs is about, and it's a collection of wise sayings that are expressed in, again, those two main themes. And so, obviously, um, and really, Jeremy kind of covered this last uh, last episode with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, in that beginning of wisdom, this is another manner in which wisdom is demonstrated as it relates to anger. And so uh, in session... Uh, well, one of the things really quick that you pointed out in here was the call to wisdom, the call to wisdom versus the life of wisdom. What's the difference in those two? Call to wisdom and the life of wisdom. I just kind of like in the proverb itself calls the listener to wisdom. Like Proverbs 8, for example, is sort of the, the voice of wisdom crying out in the street. So it's the call of wisdom and then all right, we hear wisdom's voice, namely God's word. How do we apply that to our lives? So that was kind of the idea there. Um, any thoughts on that? No, so. I, I liked how you put where the you know the first four books of the, of the New Testament pro- proclaim the call of Jesus Christ to repent and believe in the gospel, um, which is wisdom incarnate. And then the rest of the New Testament speaks to living a gospel-filled life, which is living a life of wisdom. 
And so having that wisdom of Christ, we need to grow in it. And so it's it's important to help our counselee realize what that looks like. Not only your call to wisdom, but how do you actually practically live that out? Is that kind of what you're going for? Yeah. And, and I think uh, the last, again, when you get the book, you'll see this. Um, but again, we must always remember, too, that the book of Proverbs is not a formula to a perfect life, nor does it promise if you do all these things, you will have a great life. Right. Right. Yeah. It's descriptive. It's not necessarily prescriptive. So that's kind of the idea, uh, because again, you know, and then actually bringing this at street level when we're counseling, I think this is a lot of frustration that Christians have is they feel like they're sort of living this formulaic life and it's not garnering the results that they expect to have. And so they're frustrated or in this particular case, they're angry. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in session, Proverbs 19 uh, has many wonderful themes again to med- meditate on and to take uh, really to the Lord in prayer. One of the hardest paths to navigate in our lives is our relationship or relationships. Wisdom and folly are wound up in all of us. So invariably, we will be sinned against and we will sin against others. We will disappoint and be disappointed. We will project our desires on others and others will obtrude theirs on us. For the purpose of practicing meditative thoughts, fervent prayer and mindful action, let us read a few verses together. So this is obviously what we would share in session so the counselor can uh, maybe not read verbatim, uh, but at least summarize that statement and, and apply that to the counselee and asking some of these questions. And some of the questions... So instead of reading the full chapter of Proverbs, would you, would you just focus on the three verses that you highlight here? Verse 2, verse 3, and verse 24? Right, because that's really, that's really the point of because it really captures the the idea of really applying wisdom, uh, which is the manner of slowness to anger. Um, so, for example, uh, desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet uh, misses his way. And so some of the questions that we could ask in this is, what do you think this proverb is saying? Which, again, kind of goes back to what Jeremy established with that grid last session, right? Or last session, I'm, I'm, I'm apparently in session here. <laughs> Uh, but in the last podcast, yeah, in the last podcast. Um, but again, it's it's asking questions within within that framework and grid, so that we're trying to engage the counselee to to begin to think, because uh, oftentimes we can just read scripture and we're not we're not really engaging with mm-hmm. it. So that's really the goal here in the counseling session is to just start that process with the counselee and begin to ask some of these general questions, but then get more specific with the questions and then also personal. So like, for example, the next question is how does it relate or impact your relationships? Cause that's where we see, that's where we see anger demonstrated and manifested is in our relationships the most, you know, it's one thing for us to be alone and we're driving in traffic and we're hitting the steering wheel cause the person in front of us, but relationally there's nobody else with us. It's just us. But then we see the damaging effects of it when we're in our relationships. And so that's kind of the idea that we're getting to there. Um, and then applying it to folly as well, like wisdom and folly, uh, as it relates to um, really raging. And again, that follows the idea of anger, where in our hearts, we may not verbalize it, but in our hearts, our heart's doing something with that. Mm-hmm. And so that's the idea here, is when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. What do you think this proverb is saying? In what ways has your heart raged against the Lord? Um that's a pretty straightforward question. That's that's a pretty confrontational question, hmm. but I think it's I think it's necessary because you know I mean obviously all of us would uh, agree that when we're in the counseling room, the goal that we're after is getting to the heart level, hmm. and that's that's what we're after. There, any thoughts just on that yeah. particular piece? I think when we come to to a passage like this, um, 
that a person could easily skirt around that word rage uh, because maybe the rage hasn't expressed itself in such a way that we would typically right. see rage. Yeah. Um, but I, I think coming back to even the words of Jesus, where he was pretty hardcore and radical yeah. when he was talking about what masters the heart. And he uses words like hate and love so that if I love a desire that, that is leading me towards folly, mm-hmm. that is a simultaneous act of hatred toward God. So simply because a person doesn't feel rage doesn't mean that their actions do not express a heart's rage against the Lord through rebellion. Right. And I think that that's really good, Jeremy, because what does that do? That goes back to the reality of wisdom and folly. Yes. It's so wound up in us. Mm-hmm. We It's so conscientiously in us that we just don't even realize the manifestation of it mm-hmm. or to the degree in which it's happening. Yeah. And uh, so that that's a really good point. And, um, but the, the, the good thing about this is it's kind of, that's the idea is helping bring a level of awareness to the counselee by engaging in these, these, these sorts of questions to help them realize the impact and reality of our folly and how deep it goes into our hearts. Mm-hmm. So it's really good. Uh, and then uh, another question, which again, cause this particular proverb addresses many different themes, but uh, laziness or the sluggard. So the sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. Proverbs nineteen twenty four. And then, so again, a general statement, trying to engage with the counselee, what do you think this proverb is saying? And then, of course, invariably, they're going to come back with sort of a general response, typically. But then as the counselor, we're like, okay, well, now we got to get, we got to be more specific. And then, so how would you apply this proverb to yourself? In other words, do they see uh, laziness in them? Is there things that, um, and again, what is that doing? That's engaging the heart. Uh, laziness is a fruit, right? But we're always trying to get after the root. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a good mm-hmm. good opportunity. So anyway, that's the purpose of those in-session counseling uh, questions. And then after the assignment, uh, again, now that we've worked through those verses and reading them and meditating on their meaning, considering personal application and prayerful responses, uh, as a counselor, we want to give like a growth assignment to help them apply the fear of the Lord, which Jeremy did really good last uh, episode capturing that, uh, and his wisdom to their struggle, so with anger and forgiveness. Um, and so the verse, like the, the main verse out of this, um, this particular uh, growth assignment and session is diagnostically defined good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Good sense is the character trait given to judge wisely and objectively. Scripture declares that God is slow to anger, merciful, gracious, and abounding in steadfast love. That's Psalm 86.15. And we know in Christ, where new creations being conformed into his image, so good sense is what causes your ability to be slow to anger. So as the counselor, we're defining just the diagnostic tool that this verse is really presenting in itself. Mm. Um, and so what I think the big point going it, you know, because if Christ is all, if Christ is all of Scripture, which He identifies Himself as, right, that Scripture is the fulfillment of Me. I am the fulfillment of Scripture. How does this relate to the gospel? How does how do we have a gospel response, a wise response to our anger, being slow to anger, um, and 
the meditation and application to this particular one is how would you biblically rate your self-control? Good sense when you're angry, one to five. And so you could, you could, and, and this is obviously always helpful because all of us always tend to put ourselves in a better light than what we really are, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can help identify that graciously, of course, with the counselee. Um, and then the prayerful response, based on your self-assessed love of self-control, confess the, to the Lord where you've offended a person in your anger. So again, the idea is in scripture is super clear and explicit on this. The idea of memorizing in meditation, it's not this new age nonsense of clearing your mind to meditate. To meditate on God's word is to apply it to our hearts and call on the Lord. So we may know something intellectually, right? We can make those intellectual a sense of what we ought to do. Then the prayerful response is bringing the Lord into that because we know in our hearts that, that man, I, okay, I see the lack of it. So now I want to actually connect that in prayer, and I want to call on the Lord. I want to call on the on the Spirit, which we have as children of the Lord, that we need to go to Him. And so it's just kind of connecting that mind and heart to kind of have just a collective heartfelt response. Uh, and so that's kind of what we're hoping to encourage the counselee that they're doing outside of the session. Any mm-hmm. thoughts on that, guys? I think that's all wonderful. How? Tell us a little more under point two there after session. This is a phenomenal point that really needs to be dealt with carefully in uh, a counseling situation. Write out the offenses done against you and then apply good sense as defined above to these offenses. And then here, here's the, the, the nuance. Based on the diagnostic above, which offenses should be overlooked, applying forgiveness to them, and which ones need to be forgiven but confronted? How how do you how do we how do we discern which path to take in that? That's funny that you asked, Jeremy, because uh, I would actually I would I would have that conversation and I would get them to engage in that when they came back to me, and then a follow up to that would actually be a ABC resource. Hmm. Uh, that's not an intentional plug, but it's a real one that I use. Were uh, conflict resolution, biblical conflict resolution, that mm. four-part yeah. uh, series that uh, homework assignment that's done as it relates to James four and focusing on the imperatives, mm. right? Of submit, draw near, mm. and getting and understanding those imperatives. So that's what. So th- this would be the beginning stage of just kind of warming that up and helping them see that, and then that would be my go-to to, as a follow-up mm. to help them see because there are things that. Right, if an offense is done has been done against me, and if if it's an offense, but not, not excuse me, not necessarily a sin, it still needs to be confronted. Right, there's a relational, mm. quote unquote, hardship that's been done against the other person, and so I think for the counselee, it's identifying what are some things that have been done to me, and then what are some things that I'm doing to the other person. Yeah. Again, going back to the Matthew seven principle of look, we're all we're all specking each other. Mm. Um, how do we? How do we identify and respond with that level of awareness uh, so that we're gracious and patient in our responses, but we're still responding. We're still confronting, but we're doing it graciously, or as Ephesians talks about, we're speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably go yeah. to those as well. That's but great. anyway, to answer your question. It's good. Yeah. So, yeah, this... This particular uh, homework assignment and just the reality, and and again, I think the biggest idea that I pulled from this and the slowness of anger is when there's an offense done, right? So verse 11 of Proverbs 19, goods, and I'm reading from the ESV, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Mm. That's, that's, there's so much gospel language in that. Uh, because the offense that we've had against God, Christ, that's how God overlooked the offense against him is through his son. Mm. And we have the same response 
horizontally in our relationships. And so there is this reality of we get to share in the glory of the Lord when somebody sins against us that we can overlook the offense. We, in other words, we have to me that's gospel power mm. because we we we've experienced how God overlooks our offense, and this is even like getting into uh, justification, right, and expiation, and this so this alien righteousness that has now been given to me. I didn't earn it. And so like I actually get to apply that to other people. So to me, this is a huge gospel verse that because usually our flesh is like, no, we want recompense. We want we, you know, mm-hmm. uh we want our pound of flesh. And the encouragement here of wisdom, a gospel wisdom encouragement is no, it's your glory to overlook an offense. Like will you overlook the offense? To what extent will you overlook it, or will you overlook it to the point where it's forgiven? Hmm. So the, anyway, so I mean, th- this could continue on and on, but that's kind of the heart behind this particular lesson is, again, a lot of us, even as Christians, we really struggle when people make offenses against us. We don't overlook the offense. Right. We harbor the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, that was kind of the goal with this particular lesson. Um, and so, yeah, I'm... Glad that we were able to to do a book in Proverbs and and I think harbor an offense is a is a good thought that you could even expand upon. But uh, you had a big task here. You had a, a proverb. I mean, really, to take chapter nineteen and and I don't even know how you selected those three particular verses because this is, there's a lot in this in this chapter. And yep. so you um, that was hard work for you to even thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, think think <laughs> through which verses do I select and how do I break that down? Because really, once you if you're if you're sitting here listening and you've opened up your Bible to chapter 19, if you're seeing what I'm seeing, there's a lot here. And really, it it mm. it kind of there's more to the chapter that helps bring these three verses to life. So, you know, I might start off and it's, it would be a lot to, to work through this in your, in your session, but you might want to kind of be diligent and preparing ahead of time to break it down in maybe three sections, because when you read the full chapter and then bring them back to these three verses, I think it would make it that much uh, a much deeper discussion when you really think about it. You know what I mean? Like we're talking right here. And if someone that's listening hasn't read this chapter, it like the chapter is going to bring so much more life to what you're communicating. So my encouragement to you is read chapter 19, maybe come back, re-listen to this podcast. Um, but then you'll have to really think through what Michael's done is, is brought it down to three verses, uh, but really use the questions that you even have within the three verses. You know, you, you put questions like, what do you think this proverb's saying? How does this relate or impact your relationship? Those questions don't only work with verse two, right? Or verse three or verse 24. It works within the whole chapter. And so you should hopefully be able to tailor this to the specific situation of what's happening in that counseling session. But when you said harboring, that really struck me in a way that um, verse two says, and you read this earlier, whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. And I have a note in my Bible here that says proceed with caution. Mm. And so in a lot of ways, when we are uh, we have an offense, you had mentioned uh, we will disappoint, we'll be disappointed, people are going to sin against us, we're going to sin against others, um, you know, our desires of, of others. You kind of use that as like a a thought process and walking to the scripture, like what is it that's actually making us angry and is it selfishly motivated or are there uh, actual things here that we need to address with our brother and sister in Christ? And so when you say proceed with caution, you know, your thought is, and it's a healthy one. If you went here of saying, 
don't address it so quickly, obviously make sure that you're doing this, writing down the offense, really praying and thinking through it. That way, when you go to your brother and sister in Christ, it is in wisdom. It is through prayer. You do have a plan and your motive is right in addressing that with your brother and sister in a way that's saying this is a really hard conversation to have, um, but I want to do this for the strength of our relationship and, and growing together in that particular way or or for the blessing of whatever you're confronting, if that makes sense, right? It's hard to find friends in the church to want to grow through conflict, you know, because most people just want to avoid it and run away. And so hopefully you can press into your counseling in that particular way to say, I know it's going to be hard to confront what you're upset about. Um, but if you really take this to the Lord and work through it and you're you're proceeding with caution, right? You're not just rushing to it. As you work through your emotional standpoint, hopefully when you confront your brother and sister, it's communicated, what you're communicating is heard better, right? Um, versus if you communicate an emotion, then what are you doing, right? It, you're a little bit more out of control in that particular way. The other challenge that I found, though, even in my own personal life, is when you proceed with caution, if you aren't responding well and what you're upset about or that offense it can turn into bitterness and that we want to avoid at all cost. And so it might be wise to get another friend. Like obviously we're hopefully communicating this for you to get counseling, but say this is you personally making sure that you have a, you're not talking to 50 people about this situation, but maybe you have one trusted brother and sister in Christ that you're going to, to talk through the situation, not in a gossipy way or just to like dump the situation, but actually say, what do I do with this? You know, how do I confront this? And what is this revealing about my own heart? And what what's my motive? Or what am I seeking in this particular thing? Um, and so when you said harboring, that made me stick to bitterness. So proceed with caution, but not so much in a way that you're not really proceeding well, or you're being cautious well, because you're not going to the Lord to work through it, if that makes sense, right? And it's just turning into bitterness, which then when you communicate it, it could come out in a way that's unloving. And so hopefully that will encourage someone because to me, when when I personally get angry, like with you, if we're going to be real from a marriage standpoint, uh, either I'm really aggressive and then I'm passive, like I've said what I wanted to say and peace out, <laughs> right? Or I'm really passive about it. I ignore it for a while and then all of a sudden something small, right, it erupts and then I'm aggressive. But what I'm really aggressive about, you're just looking at it like it's a brand new thing. Like this is so small. Why are you so upset about this? But in reality, I haven't confronted or talked through in a loving way all the other things I'm holding on to. That's not proceeding with caution, Right. That's not addressing things well. And so hopefully, hopefully that, those examples are resonating with someone to help them or if y'all no, have I anything th- you want to add to that. I think it is because really, I think what you just um, really kind of affirmed is, you know, Hebrews point about not allowing a root of bitterness. Right. And then even James. Right. Yeah, it's like poison. Yeah. James, you know, or, you know, it's the uh, biblical two step quick, slow, slow, quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. Um, and that's pretty much I mean. I would argue James and a lot of what he's writing, because he's, I mean, he's writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. And so it, it sounds a lot like the Old Testament, like Proverbs and wisdom literature, when you read the book of James. Um, and I think that's him addressing the same idea here, uh, is he's he's confronting that. And I, I think you're right, Shauna, that, that's the temptation. Um, and I think that's the struggle of passivity, where um, we can want to take our time and be reflective and be slow, meaning we want to be self-controlled and think through the offense 
and kind of which is why I kind of laid it out the way that I did and try to give a a matter in which uh, a manner in which somebody can kind of work through that process. Um, but it is it, it's a hard part and on the back end where um, maybe our intentions were good to uh, exercise self control and think on a little bit, but the problem is is we end up internalizing it and allow the flesh to really kind of begin to control that narrative in our emotions, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, and there's no spirit involvement in that. And so I think your point, though, about inviting somebody into that conversation, the same way that we would have uh, uh, like an advocate, right, and our, like a counselor, uh, a counselee who has an advocate to come with them so that we're kind of helping them, you know, remain, you know, in that state of having accountability while they're seeking help. Yeah, continuing um, the discussion outside of the counseling room because yeah. verse 20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction. And so how how are they continuing to think this through together, but with a healthy motive, right? We want to glorify the Lord in this. And, um, and as you even pointed out the scripture, that even if on the other side, the offense isn't recognized or even worked through, um, that, that us as believers, it should still look different, right? Like we should show mercy and be gracious and abound in steadfast love. Well, that's the hard, well, that's the hard part, right? Because typically when we think so hard, (laughs) well, when we think of conflict in our feelings, if I've been offended by something, I'm looking at the offender as they just sinned against me. Well, it may not necessarily be sin, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So there is a difference between Matthew 18 and Matthew (laughs) five and the way that we deal with relational conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's, Jeremy, back to your question to me earlier, I think that's why I kind of tried to layer that out a little bit more because mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a silver bullet, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a process. So any concluding thoughts? You know, I think I think from what I learned is, is just be willing to make the effort, encourage your counselees to do that because you can come, you can come out of situations just that much stronger, you know, in a, as a believer in your relationship you know, again, I just want to encourage, you know, I'm speaking to my sisters in Christ here where there's so many times where I'm involved in a counseling situation. And when I'm talking to her, she literally just wants to be like, peace out. Like, I don't need her in my life anymore. And it takes away all that the Lord has been doing through their relationship. And really through this conflict, through this disagreement, through whatever is is happening, where knowing that if they press into this and they really have that hard conversation, both of them are going to grow so much through it, right? And be able to glorify the Lord to show this is what it looks like to go that step further. And that's not easy. I know that if when I when I press into that, I encourage my sister to do that. Like, what would it look like to really have this conversation? Let's not go right away, but let's think through this. Let's let's write down some questions that you can go to the Lord with this week to h- encourage her to realize that yes, it might be easier just to say we're no longer friends. Um, but if you really put in that effort and and depended on the spirit in this conversation and going to him and, and pressing in this relationship, um, how much stronger would both of y'all be, right? And we want to grow in spiritual maturity in that way. And I think there's there's actually like slothfulness and idleness and stuff in this chapter, which in a lot of ways, when you think of avoiding conflict, what are we doing? We're being lazy in a lot of ways, right? Like it's it's I would rather just be over here and not not confront this in a way that's healthy because that's going to take work and I'd rather be lazy about the whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that really relates to Well, I think that's an application. Guys, but no, it is. And that's an application to the, you know, I mean, because obviously that's avoid. the point of the proverb. I mean, there's so many different topics in the way that wisdom applies to these particular topics versus foolishness. So some, yeah. uh, some fun juxtaposition there in that chapter. And so I hope that it blesses you guys. 
We appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening. We'll see y'all next time.